Hey, First College, I hope everybody is doing well. I know that we're a month in to all the craziness that's been going on, and so uh, I know that I've gotten to talk to a lot of students, and I've gotten to hear a lot of different things. Y'all, just want y'all to know that, that we are continually praying for you. Our staff at first is praying for you. I'm praying for you, and know that this time could be uh, utilized really, really well. And y'all, one of the things that, that we want to do uh, going forward over the next month or so is wanna, we want to do a how-to series in the college ministry specifically. And what I mean by how-to series is we want to look at several things like how to read God's Word, how to pray, how to study God's Word, how to memorize God's Word, um, how to give or tithe, how to fast. And so each week we're going to be coming with a different video looking at a how-to so to speak. And y'all, as I have talked to my leadership team and gotten some ideas, and as I really began praying and thinking about how to start this series, um, really one thing kept coming to mind is, does it matter if we know how to do something if we're struggling to still do it? I don't know if that really makes sense completely, but I guess the first how-to that I'm looking at is how do we press on in spiritual disciplines when we just don't feel like it? How do we press on when we're struggling? I think a lot of us are there right now, but I think even just in general, apathy and struggling to continue to, to sit down and really spend time in God's Word is the main struggle rather than actually how do I read God's Word and how do I understand it? And so I want to start this first one with how do I spend time in God's Word? How do I press on whenever I'm struggling? Um, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but how do I stay motivated to be in God's Word? And so what I want to do with that is I thought about just teaching a little bit on that topic. But instead, uh, in, in the topic or the idea of quiet times, I want to show you a specific passage that I've told on before. Uh, I think once before at some point at Awaken. But I want to look at a passage. And I want to do a different camera angle where y'all can see me writing and me walking through Psalm 19. And just kind of see the way that I would do a quiet time if I was working through this book or this chapter. But also what I want to do in that is I want to look through this to show you why we need to press on even whenever we're struggling, how we can press on even whenever we're struggling. So we're going to look at it from a different angle, and hopefully that'll make some make a little bit more sense. So I hope that you um, would get a Bible with you, turn to Psalm chapter 19, and we're going to dive in. All right, y'all. So what I'm going to do, um, like I said, is go through Psalm chapter 19. But I've got my Bible over here. You know what I'm normally doing in, but since I've already kind of marked up my Bible, I wanted to do something that was clean and, you know, just kind of walk through this and show you all some of the things that I look for. Now, once again, we're going to talk about principles of how to read and how to study God's Word later. The goal of this time is just to read through this passage to say, okay, what steps out? What does it look like the author, who is David in this case, what does it look like he's trying to say? And then specifically, we're going to look at this to apply it to how can we press on when we're struggling. And my hope in this is also for you to see Psalm 19, honestly, as a beacon of light to remind you why we need to press in, why we need to press on in the midst of struggling or being apathetic or whatever that might be. So, so let's just jump in and let's just read this. And I like to read with a pen in hand, um, with a journal beside me. And so I'm just going to kind of use this space over here like a journal and then just write on this like I would in my Bible. Or I'll probably mark this up a little bit more. But so yes, let's read. So the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night 
reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so I'm going to stop at verse 6 real quick. One, there's a break in the actual psalm here, though you can't see it between the spot here. But what, what I notice, y'all, honestly, as I start reading this, is something is speaking, obviously. You see, something is declaring. There is something proclaiming. There is speech that is coming out. There is knowledge that is being revealed. There is speech. There's voice. There's voice. There's words. And, y'all, what I encourage you, whenever you're reading and you see this type thing, the question is, is what's being declared? What's being proclaimed? What's being spoken about? What knowledge is ensuing? And sometimes I actually will do this even in my Bible. Is I'll write stuff or circle things, and then I'll connect them. Though I don't necessarily say you have to do it my way. I do it different, honestly, from thing to thing. But, but what you see here is something is being declared. And obviously we know that from the very beginning. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaiming His handiwork, speaking of the glory of God. Every day pours out speech about the glory of God. The night reveals knowledge of the glory of God. Of God. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. In other words, everyone, everyone witnesses this. Everyone witnesses the glory of God because everyone witnesses day and everyone witnesses night. There is no voice, or their voice goes out through all the earth. Once again, everyone. Their words to the end of the world. Everyone. And he says, In them he, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And his point here is talking about the sun being the one thing that, once again, everyone can see, but it's also the one thing that most honestly, in the most majestic way, points to the glory of God. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this part, but just to kind of show you, whenever you see words that are repeated or a theme, you have to make sure you're asking yourself the right questions. And I'll talk more about that whenever I say, okay, how do you read God's Word? Reading God's Word is learning, how do I ask myself the right questions? But the first six verses of this chapter are saying simply this, We need to praise God for His creation. His creation points to Him. His creation declares, proclaims, speaks about Him, gives us knowledge about Him, and everyone can see and hear these things. And some of you may know Romans chapter 1 actually talks heavily about this idea. And so, anyway, what I really want to look at today is verses 7 and following all the way through verse 14. And going to kind of do the same thing. I'm not going to spend extensive time in this passage. I just want to walk through it and show you some things that jump out to me and the way that I would be looking at this passage. So let's just look at what we have right here. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And so, you know, as I read this, you see kind of a theme that's going on, really a pattern that David gives. He says, the law of the Lord 
is something. Then he says, the testimony of the Lord is something. The precepts of the Lord are something. And then here, the commandment of the Lord is something. The fear of the Lord is something. The rules of the Lord are something. And so, all this, really, he's using synonyms to talk about the Word of God, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. So, whereas the obvious thing that he's talking about here is creation leading to God's glory or pointing to God's glory, the obvious thing here is he's talking about God's Word. And I'm sorry for the handwriting. It is what it is. <laughs> but he's talking about God's Word. So, whereas in the first part, he's talking about the glory of God is shown by creation. In the second part, he's pointing to God's Word. And, and look at how much better. He doesn't just tell us that they speak to the glory of God. He tells us the character of God's Word. He says God's Word is perfect. He says God's Word is sure. He says God's Word is right. He says God's Word is pure. God's Word is clean. And he talks about God's Word actually teaches us about the fear of the Lord and also about the rules of the Lord. And y'all, what's awesome is he doesn't just tell us, you know, this is God's Word. This is what God's Word is. It's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean. It gives us the fear of the Lord. It gives us the rules of the Lord. But he also tells us what God's Word does which I think is really awesome. It's pretty interesting. God's Word revives the soul, so it revives. God's Word makes wise the simple. And if you don't know this, all of us are simple. It makes all of us wise. It's right and it rejoices the heart. It brings joy. It's pure. It enlightens the eyes. It is clean. It endures forever. And endures forever, and we see that it's righteous altogether. All right, so the whole point that I'm trying to make in all this, y'all, is one of the things that we see here is, is we have to recognize how can we understand what David's saying. Don't just read what he says. We are the worst. I'm one of the worst about doing this. We read, we read chapter 19 of Psalms, and then we move on. But what you have to see is David's trying to say something. God's Word is perfect, reviving the soul. So in other words, whenever He says, your Word is perfect, we have to say, okay, do I really believe that God's Word is perfect? Do I really believe that it can revive my soul, my weary soul, my, my soul that doesn't really want to read right now? And y'all, this is where we can say, God, help me delight in your Word because it's perfect. Whenever He says, your Word is sure, we have to say, okay, right now especially, everything is changing around us, but one thing is not going to change, and that's God's Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. Help me believe this, Lord. Give me wisdom as I read it. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So knowing that it's right, it's not wrong. Lord, help me not question your Word, and give me joy as I read it. The last part of it, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What in our lives is pure? What in our world is truly pure? Y'all, if we're honest, we don't know a whole lot about purity. And so, really, as we read this, we have to say, with David, Lord, help me be purified by your word. Enlighten my eyes. Enlighten my heart to the pure word 
of God. The fear of the Lord is clean and it endures forever. It's clean. Y'all, all throughout, we see this idea of fearing the Lord. And, and what we see David talking about here is a holy fear, a reverential awe of God is good for us. It's clean. It's, it's, it's pure is another way, I guess, to put that. It endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true, period. There's no question about it. They're true. They're right. They're correct. And they are righteous altogether. Y'all, as we look at this, really, David has given us the glory of God's Word of it being perfect and sure and right and pure and clean, enduring forever and righteous altogether. But then look at his response to God's Word. He says, They are more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. I mean, he's saying this is the most valuable thing in all of the world. And this really elicits the question, Do I believe this? Do I believe the above about God's Word? And do I believe this, that it has more value than all the wealth in the world? That I should desire to know God's Word more than I desire any other thing in this world? He says, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now, some of you might be like, okay, I don't even like honey. But think of it like this. Think about what makes you just so satisfied as you eat or drink something. Like, imagine that one thing that whenever you think about, okay, if I could just get one drink right now, that would just make me go, hallelujah, this is incredible. What would that be? For me, I just think about a Coke from McDonald's. Like anytime I get a Coke from McDonald's, it's going to make my eyes water. Like it is more, but God's word is more pleasurable than just that first sip of Coke from McDonald's. Hopefully that doesn't sound blasphemous. I'm not meaning it to sound that way. But what he's saying is like, honey, it's so sweet. It's so good. It's so satisfying. God's word is the most satisfying thing in the world. And y'all, we have to stop looking at God's Word like it's just this one dish. And I want you to think of it like this. God's Word is an all-you-can-eat constant buffet. It's this thing that you can continue to come to to be filled and to be satisfied and to be filled and to be satisfied. And all throughout, God's Word doesn't just say the same thing over and over and over and over again in this boring way. God's Word is rich and it's satisfying and it's more pleasurable and satisfying than anything else on this earth. And really, once again, it elicits this question. Do I believe this? Do I really believe this? Do I really desire God's Word more than anything else? Do I really believe that this is the most satisfying thing in the world? Which I think is why David even comes to this. He says, moreover, by them, by your word is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. So right here we see a warning and a reward. A warning and a reward. Y'all, if we read God's Word and we walk away and do nothing with it, that is more damning than it is profitable. It's not profitable for us just to read and take in God's Word if we don't actually go and do this. Obedience. (laughs) In keeping them. In keeping God's Word. In keeping His commandments. In keeping His laws. In keeping you know, the, the, the Word of God. There is great reward here. And once again, I would come back to this. What's the question this is asking? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe that there is a reward that will be given one day to the person who runs the race well? Do I really believe God whenever He tells us that this life matters? Do I really believe God... Whenever he tells us that the way we live right now, we are storing up treasure for ourselves in heaven or we are on earth. One of those is going to last. One of those is going to pass away. Do I really believe this? Which I think is why 
David goes to the next part. Who can discern his own errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. You know, this is just a crazy request. David, as he's looking at God's Word, the purity of it, the glory of it, then looking at how we should desire it and how it satisfies, the first thing that he says is, Declare me innocent. <laughs> Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Like the sin that I don't even know about. The things I'm struggling with that I don't even recognize. God, only you know. Declare me innocent from these things. See, David understands, like all of us, that we fall immeasurably short whenever it comes to God's Word. And first he says, declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Then he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. These are ones that I think about, I know about, and I go and I do. Let them not have dominion over me. Haven't all of us been here? Well, we know there's sin in our lives. And maybe right now with a lot of idle time, there is sin in your life where you're going, man, God, I'm running back to this sin over and over again. David shows us that the first step in trying to get to here, living like I really believe this, is crying out to God. Crying out to Him for mercy and for grace. Recognizing, God, I'm struggling even in ways that I don't even understand. God, forgive me for the sin I keep doing even though I know that I'm doing it. Only through Your declaration can I be blameless and innocent. Only with your help can I be blameless and be innocent. And this is where David ends this psalm with a verse that is a, really is a staple for so many believers. is let the words of my mouth, everything that comes out of me, and the meditation of my heart, everything that goes on inside of me, be acceptable, be pleasurable, almost like a living sacrifice. Which many of you know that's Hebrews chapter 12. Like a living, or Romans chapter 12, a living sacrifice acceptable to God in His sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Y'all, we don't think much of these analogies anymore because we're honestly, we just don't see pictures the same way Easterners do. We just don't. He's saying, My rock and my redeemer, if I hold on to God, I'm not moving. If I stay with Him, I will be blameless. <laughs> I will be innocent of great transgression. Why? Because He's my redeemer. And y'all, we know this even more in full than David did, that Jesus is our Redeemer. We can have forgiveness over all this junk that's in our lives. We can have redemption and freedom over the things that have dominion over us. We can get forgiven for the things that we don't even know we're struggling with because He is our Redeemer. We can walk immovably because He is our rock. He is our Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And y'all, what I want to do at the end of this, and this should be at the end of every quiet time, is you want to think in terms of what in here do I need to repent about? What in here do I need to go to God and cry out in prayer? Now granted, repentance is prayer, but how can I pray? And then what do I need to go and change? What action needs to go forth? And I just want to give you some ideas here. Y'all, as I read this today, this is where I'm at. Where should I repent? It seems obvious to me. I should repent of my own apathy, my complaining, my struggling, my lack of control right now is making me think that um, somehow or another maybe God doesn't have control. But I just need to repent of the lies. Repent of my apathy. I need to repent of my wrong desires and feelings and beliefs towards God's Word.
Y'all, this question up here, do I believe this? I've struggled here. Like, repent of my lack of belief. You know, in my mind, I would say, of course I know God's Word is all these things. But my actions, excuse me, my actions so often as of late haven't really shown that. And so I repent of my unbelief. I repent of my sinfulness. I mean, unbelief is sinful, but even my sinfulness in the sins I know that I'm continuing to go into, the sins that I don't even know about, I repent of those things in my life. And ultimately, it makes me repent of this. Just a lack of prayer in my life. You know, we have a lot more quiet time now than we've ever had. And for us, in a world that likes a lot of noise or to be entertained or for something to constantly be going, y'all, the struggle for us is just sitting down and spending time with the Lord and actually believing that prayer matters. That's my struggle. Do I really believe God hears me? Do I really believe that God's going to move? Do I really believe, as He tells us, that if you ask and seek me, you will find me? And do I really believe that He's enough? And so you all come away from this saying, you know what, I struggle here. Do I really believe He is worth more than anything else? Do I really believe He is the main one, the only one that truly satisfies? And I have to come and I have to repent over this. And so how should I pray even beyond this? My prayer that I wrote down earlier was, help me believe what you have to say in this passage. Change my heart. Change my mind. Help me be reminded of the truths of this text, of how great and glorious your word really is. You know, I, I can go outside and it never ceases to amaze me just to look at the sky. You know, having little kids right now, they are constantly just enamored with how tall trees are or just finding a random pine cone here or little bitty wonders in the world from the little bugs that they'll check out to, you know, the moon or the stars that they see outside. And, you know, I just realize that sometimes I don't wonder at the creation like it really is. But even in the midst of seeing how grand and glorious God's creation is, how it speaks to His glory, y'all, we literally have the Word of God that proclaims it. We have the Word of God that teaches us in it. We have the Word of God that, as you see here, gives us all these things. Man, are you feeling down? The Word of God will revive your soul. Are you struggling right now with what to do? God's Word makes wise the simple. Are you struggling right now with feeling down and just not having any joy? God's Word rejoices the heart. Are you struggling, enlightening the eyes? It endures forever. Look, while right now we're in a temporary struggle, there is one thing that will last forever, and that is the fear of the Lord. Are you seeking that, to grow and spending time with Him and being in awe of Him, recognizing that ultimately your life is dependent upon one thing, of how well did you run the race? Do you recognize that all of God's laws are righteous? His Word is righteous altogether. And you'll have to come away and have to pray all this. God, help me believe. Once again, for me, it just kept coming back to this. If I say I believe it, I need to put my money where my mouth is. I need to act like it. And you know, as we go through this series for the how-to of how do we really do this? How do we really act on what we say we believe? That's really going to be a lot of it. How to read God's Word because we believe that it matters. How to pray because we believe that it matters. How to memorize God's Word because we believe that it matters. All these things are how do we do these things so that we can glorify God because we believe in Him and we believe that it ultimately matters. And so, y'all, for you, I would ask, what action do you need to take? How do you need to walk away from this? How do you need to take this and say, okay, how can I press on in the midst of the struggle? Maybe you need to read this passage each morning. And before you begin your quiet time anywhere else, just read through Psalm 19 and just let it marinate. Be reminded of how great and glorious our God is. 
Maybe you need to memorize this passage, certain verses of it, or verse 14. Or for me, y'all, Psalm 19 is one of the first chapters of God's Word I memorized because this passage has had such an effect on my heart and on my life. Maybe you need to memorize all 14 of these verses. Maybe you need to memorize just seven and following to, to write God's Word and the effects of it on your heart. Maybe you need to spend, you know, each day looking at a different facet. Maybe today you look at how the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And you just think about that, the perfection of God's Word, and just marinate in that and how it revives the soul. And doing a different one each day or a different one each week, I don't know how you specifically need to respond. But the possibilities with this passage are immense. And I just want to challenge you to respond and act in some way. For me, I'm going to review this passage I'm going to look back through it. I'm going to say this each day over the next few days and put this in my mind and be reminded of how great and glorious God's Word is. And honestly, as I'm talking about this, I just thought about maybe a good thing for me is I need to read this before I go to bed each night to remind me why I'm waking up early each morning. And so maybe that's my action. But I want to encourage you, how do you need to act? How do you need to change based on this? Y'all, I hope this has been helpful for you as we've just looked through this. Um, you know, as I look back over my sheet, it may look like I just circled and lined a bunch of things. Hopefully this was helpful for you. But just to wrap up this session, how can we press on in the midst of our struggle? Ultimately, it comes down to this. Will we believe God over our feelings? And will we act on what we say we believe over how we feel? Y'all, it's very easy during this time or during other times to just not feel it. But it's during those times to say, okay, well, what do I really believe to be true? And y'all, as we look here, God's Word is going to do the work. We just have to get in it. We just have to let God's Word wash over us. And really, for me, some of my best quiet times come whenever I just don't feel like doing it. But I start my quiet time by confessing that truth. God, I don't, I don't really feel it today, but help me believe you over my feelings. And so y'all, I just want to challenge you. Believe God over your feelings. Act in faith over how you feel um, of what God says to be true, that His Word can change. Just let it wash over you. Y'all, once again, I hope this helps. And we'll be, we'll be back next week as we continue our how-to series and look at how to read God's Word, how to pray, and other things like that. Y'all, once again, we love you. We miss you. And just know that we're praying for you during this time.